In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our text this morning from Matthew is the triumphal entry of Jesus into, into Jerusalem. It will be a full week. A few days after this entry into Jerusalem, we'll uh, have the Last Supper. And then Jesus will be arrested and he'll be killed. <coughs> Wait a minute. We're not getting ready for Easter. We're getting ready for Christmas. Why are we reading this? The first Sunday in Advent. It's not Palm Sunday. It's the first Sunday in Advent. Well, Father Mark has explained this before. Advent, the word itself, means coming. Someone is coming. And Advent, Advent is not just those things we think of pertaining to the birth of Jesus Christ and the things leading up to them. Advent's all over the Bible. Moses, take off your shoes. The ground on which you're standing is holy ground. That's Advent. Jesus, walking along the Sea of Galilee, he says to James and John, follow me. That's Advent. Jesus, riding into Jerusalem to die, that's Advent too. Advent's not just about a birth. Advent is the coming of God to us throughout all of life. I think my favorite Advent story is the story of the parable of the prodigal son. You know the story. The uh, younger brother takes his inheritance, goes off to a foreign line, wastes his inheritance, starving to death, finally decides I'll go back to my father. He rehearses his little speech he's going to say. Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of the hired servants. His father sees him coming a long way off. And his father runs <coughs> to meet him. And he embraces him. The, the, the Greek actually says there he falls on his neck. And he kisses him. English doesn't do justice to the Greek here. Uh, what the Greek really says is he kissed him over and over and over again. And then his son starts to speech. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. Father doesn't even let him finish the speech. Bring the finest robe, put him on him. Bring the gold ring, put it on his finger. Shoes for his feet, kill the fatted calf. Do you know what the word prodigal means? I didn't. I mean, the only time we ever use it is in reference to this parable, prodigal son. I looked it up. My dictionary, the first definition, is recklessly extravagant. Now, the son wasted his inheritance in sinful living. But it was the father, really, that's recklessly extravagant. He's recklessly extravagant with his love. He's recklessly extravagant with his forgiveness. This father, the father, is the very definition of Advent. You know who Francis Thompson was? Well, I wouldn't have either unless I had studied literature in college. Francis Thompson lived in the 
last part of the 19th century and the very first part of the 20th century in England. He was, uh, he lived in poverty, destitute. He was ill most of his life. He was friendless. Uh, we would say he lived in the gutter, basically homeless person. He was a drug addict, but he was a Catholic, a devout Catholic. And he was also a poet. He, uh, his poetry attracted the attention of an editor and his wife, and they saw some promise there. And they uh, gave him a place to live and gave him a, an income. Uh, they saw that some of his poetry was actually published. His one poem that people will know is called The Hound of Heaven. Uh, the setting is the poet running from God through his life and God pursuing him like a rabbit being pursued by a hound, hence the uh, title of the poem, Hound of Heaven. I fled him down the night and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him. It's a long poem, won't read it all, but the very last few lines, it changes from the poet speaking to God speaking to the poet. How little worthy of any love art thou? Whom wilt thou find to love ignoble thee? Save me, save only me. All which thy child's mistake fancies is lost, I have stored for thee at home. Rise. Clasp my hand and come. Advent. I uh, once knew a man, Father Kelly Nimick was his name, wise man, a priest, a scholar, a mystic, a holy man. I asked him once, <clears throat> how do we know, how do we know? If we're living with God in His grace and in His will, how do we know that God is really present with us? It doesn't seem like it a lot of the time, most of the time, maybe all of the time. He said, we often don't know that until we have lived our lives and we look back at our lives and we see where God has been pursuing us and living with us all the way through our lives. Even unto death. God, like the prodigal father in the hound of heaven, pursues us through life all the way through death. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross published a book back in the uh, late 60s, 1960s. The, the title of the book is called On Death and Dying. Uh, it's still in print. Uh, it was groundbreaking work. Uh, Elizabeth Cooper Ross was a, a doctor, psychiatrist, I believe. And she started working with dying people almost by accident. And her work then developed into the hospice movement which is so important to uh, people today. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her work recognized five stages of death. First stage, denial. 
Oh, that can't be right. The lad must have made a mistake. Anger. Why is this happening to me? Why can't it happen to somebody else? Bargaining. God, if you'll just let me live, I'll do this or this or this. Usually it's bargaining with God, not all the time. Doctor, if you'll just get me in shape enough to go to my daughter's wedding, I'll be satisfied. And after the wedding, Doctor, you know, I have another daughter. <laughs> Depression. The last stage, acceptance. Acceptance is particularly hard, she says, on the family and close friends of the person that's dying. Because acceptance, the person in acceptance of the death, will start to withdraw from the things around them, including their family and their friends. Very difficult for the family. Now, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote the book mainly from a secular point of view. I don't know whether she fully knew what was happening to these people or not, at least not with the people of faith. They were in the transition from one world to the next world. They had, as it were, one foot in this world, one foot already in the next world. That, too, is Advent. When I was a young minister, I uh, became pretty quickly aware that my chosen profession was a pretty scary business. Preaching? Scary. Still is, for that matter. Counseling troubled people? Scary. But you know what scared me the most? What scared me the most was going to visit dying people. I mean, what do you say? How do you minister to someone in the last days, even the last hours of their life? First thing I learned was to know when to shut up. Now that one came pretty easy for me. I, I'm not a real chatty person anyway. Uh, and I learned that if you don't know what to say, it's usually best not to say anything. I also learned that for the faithful who are nearing death, you may not be the one ministering to them. They may be the one ministering to you. After all, that person is closer to God than you are. That person is experiencing Advent in a way that you probably haven't even dreamed of. When I was growing up as a child in our church, we sang a hymn. I don't think it's in our hymn, I wish it was. It's called Abide With Me. Abide with me, fast falls the even tide. The darkness deepens, Lord, abide with me. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, Help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. It's a hymn about death, but it is also an Advent hymn. <coughs> the last verse, Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's faint shadows flee. In life, in death, O oh Lord, abide with me. 
The uh, Jewish rabbis tell the story of an old rabbi, Rabbi Uri, who was laying at home dying. And the men of the congregation had gathered in the parlor of the house to, uh, to hold vigil. And his favorite disciple, Rabbi Yehuda, every once in a while he would go to the bedroom door and open the bedroom door just a little and look in on the dying rabbi. Then he would close the door and come back and sit down with the others. Did that several times during the evening. Finally, he opened the door once and he opened it then all the way. And he went in and stood beside the bed of the dying rabbi. The rest of the men came in and surrounded the bed just in time to see Rabbi Uri breathe his last. A little later, one of the men of the congregation asked Rabbi Yehuda how he knew that at that particular time that Rabbi Uri was going to die. And he said, the scriptures say that no man can see God and live. I saw that he saw. And it's not just the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago. Advent is the coming of God throughout our lives, often in ways we don't understand, often in ways that we're not even aware of. Advent is the coming of God, even in death, maybe especially death. In life and death, O Lord, abide with me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>